And when I wake up in the morning, I make sure I come home. If I've been out to La La Land, make sure I, uh, I try to come to the heart, come to the sense of presence, and then just try to do that for the rest of the day. Simple. And then, of course, the mind is complicated. The habits, the inputs that we have, and so on. But if you keep, if you have something quite simple like that, which isn't too uh, intellectual, then you've got a kind of simple reference that you can practice. And practice is like this repetition of a of a craft. You just keep doing, doing, doing it. And so something like that coming home for me is is uh, is actually quite profound. My thinking mind can be clever, but not profound. And, and thought has its has its limits. Thought's okay. It's good fun. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to get into an inner argument. You don't want to notice yourself worrying and then argue with yourself that you shouldn't be worrying. Mm-hmm. Or you don't want to be shopping during the during the um, meditation and then argue that you shouldn't be shopping and then go shopping again and then argue that you shouldn't be shopping because that's still thought, isn't it? And then, But if you just notice, oh yeah, I'm shopping <laughs> or whatever and you notice that's thought and just come home again. Very simple, come home again. And, and that implies a kind of trust, uh, a receptivity, a... Uh, and and moving away from from the obsession with thought, that's that's the big one. Just isn't getting rid of thought. It's just seeing, like just to notice if if you if you're fantasizing about something or resenting something, and and then you notice that that I, I keep emphasizing this that noticing that you're thinking about something is actually the end of thought. It's also the end of self, the end of ego. Just in that split second, because all it, you know, ego and, and, and self is just thought. That's all it really is. It seems very, very real, but it's just just a construct that comes up according to causes and conditions. I was talking to a man who works a lot with uh, abused women, and then he gets he gets a lot of anger towards the abusers, and then he gets angry thoughts. And, and he feels guilty about the angry thoughts. And I said, you're not the author of those thoughts. You know, those thoughts just arise because you're in such a highly stressful situation which naturally produces anger. One gets really angry at that. So I told him to retire. But he's very good-hearted, but his circumstances are producing all this kind of Difficulty, yeah. So, so, like to have angry thoughts. If you're in a situation produces anger, that's that's not wrong. But then not to go there is to come home. As opposed to think that you shouldn't be angry, you shouldn't be shopping, you shouldn't be. That's not really coming home. That's just going back to the ego. It's the same, same old, same old, really. So that's the habit. But something like just listening. Presence, trust in that. Does work, and and the heart is a kind of particular kind of uh, place of abiding, which is curious. That uh, it, it for for me, it's the place to go 
I try to go away from the forehead and down to the heart. I try to make that my... Um, I, lo- I try to allow my attention to rest here rather than here. And once I get to kind of get it, as it were, understand how to do that, then, then I can see how when my attention is in, say, worry, something like that, it's all the pressure is always here in the forehead. And then if I worry about the worry, or analyze the worry, actually the pressure just gets worse. But if I just to bring my attention down through, through my throat and just let my attention rest here, then I'm present again and available to whatever life presents itself. And then the habit is in... Boing. So it's kind of settling, abiding in, resting in, and then... It really works that way. And then the thing you might is so... I mean, it's so persuasive, isn't it? Say a lot. I, I always joke about the shrine when I walk. <laughs> I always say, "Oh, the shrine." But it's true. My my aesthetic mind thinks about it. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> I've never put the strobe lights on, by the way. <laughs> it kind of it's got a flashing halo. <laughs> I have to do that one. But then I think that's just my thinking mind. Yeah, that's something I'm creating on the visual image there for my conditioning. Another person sees a completely different way. Of course, they're wrong. <laughs> Only I'm right. Only my aesthetic is right. We had a situation in Thailand <laughs> where uh, the Western Monastery, what not a chat, first year, get our, we get our meditation hall built. I think... And one of the monks is a real esthete. I think we painted the back wall seven different times mm. just to get it right. A real sin, kind of simplicity. And then one of the Thai villagers came and plonked a great, huge plastic sunflower in front of it. <laughs> you know, if you've got a Zen aesthetic, then fl- plastic is just not on. <laughs> and, and some of the monks were quite rude. And that night, Achin Sumedho gave us just this ripping talk. She said, you ungrateful so-and-so. You're just so hung up on your aesthetics. You get a plastic flower and you lose the plot. <laughs> and he just laid into us, which is great. It was right on. Because it was just, you know, this kind of conceit. And that's all in thought. That's all in thought. When you go to the heart, it is what it is. And then you kind of maybe see, oh, this is, this is, this is a... This is how people get joy, and this is their artistic temperament, and, and, and I'm here, and I'm able to use this place, and then the whole thing opens to gratitude, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. So, and obviously, I think we all feel that. It's just a kind of, course, example of how, how, how thinking mind can be very persuasive, but also be a little suffering. Whereas I think the heart, this center, I think it's much, much wiser. You can, if if thought comes from from here, and then I feel it interprets better. Whereas I found with the thinking mind, my biases, my prejudices, I think some of the, sometimes my mind goes into critical mode, right? And sometimes, <laughs> 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 and and then I can see myself just kind of looking at the other monks, and, and I said, I I'm not going to believe you. 
And the temptation is to believe and then criticize from that. And then the whole monastery just becomes a kind of um, Stalag 13. (laughs) 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 Prison of war camp. And fearful and so on. But if I go to the heart, and then I look at everyone, then I see them in a different way. And then if I need to offer admonishment, I know it comes from a good place. So we have we have that possibility to use analytical thought, but where does it come from? Does it come from clarity or does it come from bias? Does it come from uh, uh, empathy or does it come from aversion? And that we have to find out for ourselves. So anyway, that's why I do these kind of practices. Um, your legs are probably killing you, so maybe shall we do some walking meditation? Say it's pretty cold outside. Let's do half an hour. Mark, you want to be the bell ringer? So do some walking for half an hour and, and maybe just use this theme of coming home if you want. You know, find a place, walk back and forth and each time you go tripping off into wherever, just come home. Come home just to like to cold. Just feel cold. I mean, put your coat on. <laughs> but also just cold is this way. You're home again. Or, or you, you know, how much longer? At 15 minutes, you start to think, how much longer did I miss the clock? Have they forgot to ring the bell? And then look at that, anticipation. And you're home again. You can keep coming home, coming home. All right? So let's, let's go stretch our legs a bit and do some walking meditation. <laughs>